happened to my word? Oh, I need the Bible there. The Word of God, the, the authorized 1611, fourth edition King James Bible. We're going to turn to the book of Revelation. Boys and girls are dismissed to go to their classes. Good to see Dixie with us. And so we're praying for your husband. Love you folks. Always a blessing to see familiar faces and to see uh, Jeff and Isha. And where's Wailea? Where's she at? Did she run off back there? I would like to think sometime soon they'll get tired of Texas and come back to California. (laughs) We're going to begin. We got through the Gospel of Mark. Now we're going to go through the book of Revelation. And uh, on Sunday nights, we're also going to continue uh, through this study so that Sunday morning and Sunday night, we're in uh, the same book, the book of Revelation. I had in mind something different, but the Lord just kept impressing this upon my heart. We did a study not some time long ago, but it was kind of a bird's eye view, but this time it's going to be more of an extra Jesus type of study where we're going to break down the verses and and dig a little deeper and show you how much of the Old Testament that uh, we find in the New Testament and in the book of Revelation. In fact, there are some 404 verses in the book of Revelation. Out of those 404 verses of the book of Revelation, 265 of those verses refer to Old Testament scriptures. The number of Old Testament scriptures in reference to out of those 265 verses total more than 550 verses. And so we want to take the book of Revelation and show you how the entire Bible comes together in the scope of God's plan for the last days. And so this morning as we give reverence to the reading of God's word, We're only going to look to the first three verses, but I would ask you to stand, and we will read, and then we will pray, and then you may sit down. Verse number one in Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew or show unto the servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimonies of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask your blessing. We ask, dear Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that uh, each one here would give permission for you to speak to their hearts. We know, dear Heavenly Father, that what goes on in the world today is so indicative of what has been prophesied. Lord, help us to understand that the events that are unfolding very quickly before our eyes give us a very real hope 
of your quick and soon coming. We pray, Lord, that we would prepare our hearts and our lives for that coming. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Revelation is divided up into 22 chapters. In all, most every one of those chapters, we have the number seven that is mentioned except for a few chapters. Here in chapter one, we find that the number seven is in reference to seven churches and seven spirits of the Lord and seven golden candlesticks and seven stars. As we continue through the Bible, we'll find that there are seven seals, there are seven vile judgments, and there are seven trumpet judgments. God will bring forth seven thunders as he brings forth his judgments. There are seven heads that are going to sit upon the throne of this world with seven crowns to bring about a world dictatorship. God is going to bring about seven plagues upon the earth, plagues unlike anything that we've ever seen. And from the capital of this world, the Bible says there are seven hills for which the king of this world, the Antichrist, will raise until, or reign until the king Jesus Christ comes and dethrones him. Amen. When we come to the final chapters, there are seven visions John wrote about what he saw, I saw, seven times. He not only saw heaven, but he saw hell. He saw the great white throne. He saw those whose names not written in the Lamb's book of life cast into the lake of fire. For the church, he saw the present of God for his beautiful bride, the church, coming down out of heaven prepared for the bride, a beautiful city with streets of gold. All of these things are recorded in the Word of God. The Bible says that these things are faithful and true, and they will be fulfilled. And God has given us an outline for the study of uh, the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 19, he says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. And so <clears throat> we're going to deal with, as we get to the seven churches, and the message to the seven churches, the things which are. And very soon we'll see what God has in mind for the things that are hereafter. As we read from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we have noticed that in order for us to understand the Word of God, our eyes need to be open to the Word of God. In order for our eyes to be open to the Word of God, we must therefore be children of the Word of God. So he said, write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, the things which are hereafter. So John was witness of those things. And John was with the Lord Jesus Christ from the very beginning. So he wrote what was in the past. And then he writes what is in the present. And then the Lord put him on the Isles of Patmos. 
Patmos is on the west side of the coast of Turkey. Uh, at that time, it was on the east side of uh, the coast of Ephesus. It was uh, just a few miles out at sea. It was a small island. It's inhabited today with about 3,000 people. The island of Patmos at that time was an island that was totally destitute of people, and he was put in exile upon that island. The island is only about 13 square miles big, and God had placed him there. He was placed under judgment for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, but God in his providence had something in mind. And so John is told to write the things that he has seen. So John writes and tells us that not only was he with Christ from the time of his baptism throughout his ministry, but he has seen Christ after Amen. his baptism, after his crucifixion, after his ascension into heaven. And when he saw Christ, he was fearful and afraid. John, the beloved that put his head into the bosom of Christ, at this time knelt down before the Lord Jesus Christ. He was fearful and afraid because he saw a man that stood as a giant with a white, beautiful, shining hair, with eyes that was a flaming fire, with a robe that was all the way down to the bottom of his feet, noticing that his feet were as fine brass. And as he spoke, he spoke with the voice of thunder. And John was fearful and afraid, but this is the same Jesus that we will meet. Amen. And he told John, don't be afraid. He identified himself as the Christ, and John has written about him. John makes it very clear in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. When John saw Jesus Christ in his glorified body, he did not see him as a fleshly being, but he saw him as someone that was fearful to look upon. And he fell upon his knees, and he worshipped him. And yet, uh, this is the glorified Savior still in flesh and bone. And so John has declared him unto us. We read in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 6 through 7, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all of our sins. And as we walk in the light of his fellowship, we walk in the hope of his soon coming. Amen. It becomes a reality. Uh, the word of God makes it very clear that that hope purifies us, even as he is pure. It helps us uh, to understand that he will soon appear. And we understand based on the word of God uh, that we will give an account before him. 
and to know that uh, there will be many that will be ashamed. It motivates us to live lives that are clean and pure so that when we stand before him, we'll be accepted of him rather than reproved by him. We see in John's Gospel, chapter 1, as I mentioned earlier, in verse number 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There's something about we who are Christians that walk in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ where we shun from the darkness of this world. We move away from the dark life, from the dark things that bring heartache and sorrow and bring darkness into our soul. We enjoy the light because the light gives to us joy and peace. And we find that there is fellowship with God as we walk in the light of that truth. Therefore, we must continue to walk in the light because we understand that he is the light. And we must be diligent. It's imperative that we be diligent to walk in that light through the light of his word. And the word became flesh. And God has given us his word. And God has ascended into heaven And now all of the word of God is all based on that one word, and that word is Jesus Christ. And it's important that we grow in the light of that word. It's important that we understand that the Bible is the word of God. As I mentioned earlier, the book of Revelation is a book that goes into just about the entire aspect of the word of God. But if we are to be pleasing unto God, it is important that we read the final chapter. And many shy away from it. In fact, many churches uh, don't go there because the pastor does not understand it. And there's a reason why he doesn't understand it. Because he doesn't know the Lord. God gives to us the understanding of his word. So this morning, we want to look at why we should have the understanding of God's Word and reasons why many do not have the understanding of this final book that pulls it all together. We understand, according to what we just read, that the book of Revelation is a book of great significance. As we read in verse number 1 of Revelation, that we are told that these truths were given and signified by the angel. We understand that when something is signified, sometimes it's signified with a signet, but this time it's signified by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's signified by his word. The understanding of something that's been signified means that it has tremendous significance. It means that what has been signified is very serious, is very crucial. It means that it has a momentous effect upon us. It means that it goes beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. 
And so here we have a book that was given by the Lord Jesus Christ, sent by the angel of God through the servant of God, John the Apostle, written unto us. And therefore we must understand that it comes with great significance. And so it is important for us to realize that this book was written by Almighty God and it's declared to be a book that is truthful without any error, without any lie, without any exaggeration, that all that is written in here is truthful and we must believe it. When we come to chapter 20, uh, as we said in chapter 20 and chapter 21, seven times John wrote, I saw. He saw the final kingdom, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the end of that millennial reign. He saw a great white throne. He saw the earth completely destroyed and no longer standing in its place. And he saw those souls of men and women. Their bodies were raised up out of the earth. Their souls were taken up out of hell. And their bodies and their souls were reunited. Death and hell standing before God. The earth is no longer there. They're standing before God and before them is a great horrible lake called the lake of fire. And the word of God makes it very clear that what they saw was real. And death in reference to the grave, hell in reference to the soul was united and they were cast into the lake of fire where they'll be tormented forever and ever. Why? Because they were not found written in the Lamb's book of life. And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And he said, in this new earth, there is no more ocean, there are no more sea. And I saw a city, a beautiful city, the new Jerusalem. It's coming down out of heaven. It's 1,500 miles in each direction. 1,600 miles wide, 1,600 miles in length, 1,600 miles, or 1,500 miles high. Like a big old huge square. And it's coming down, hovering over an earth. I believe an earth that's much bigger than this earth he said, well, I thought that we we're going to reign upon this earth forever. Well, it's called earth, but it's going to be a new earth. Amen. A new earth and a new heaven. We're going to live there forever. This world could not inhabit and contain and hold a city that's 1,500 miles in all directions, 1,500 miles high. Our atmosphere is only 90 miles high. And then you're in space. And yet, the Bible says these things are all faithful and true. Amen. And Jesus has signified that they are faithful and true. So the question is, why do many people not understand it? Why is it that most people refusing to even try to understand it? 
Many of our churches across America today, the pastors never go here. And if they do go here, they use what is called an allegorical interpretation, where an allegorical interpretation is what you think that it says. But this is futuristic on a literal interpretation. We understand it as God would have us to understand it. But in order for us to understand it as God would have us to understand it, we must enter into the promise. The promise is found in verse number 3. I would have you to go back and look at verse number 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. It is important that we read the Word of God, but it's also important that we hear the Word of God. There are many lost people out in this world, and some stand behind pulpits and sit in pews that read the Bible, but they don't hear the Bible. As we understand the hearing here, as we see it in verse number 3, it's in reference to understanding. So the Lord makes it very clear, blessed is he that not only reads, but understands what he reads. And not only does he understand what he reads, but he obeys what he reads. You see, most today do not understand the book of Revelation. Therefore, they do not read it. They do not understand prophecy. Therefore, they stay away from it. But the word of God is very clear that we can't understand. Why would Jesus ask you to read something that you could never understand? Amen. Why would he ask you to hear something that there's no way that you could ever conceive or make sense out of what you're hearing? And then to obey what you do not understand? To obey that what uh, you're not cognizant of the understanding of what he has asked you to obey. Would you please repeat what you want me to do? I still don't understand. Please repeat again. I still don't understand. No, we can understand. Amen. And we can obey. And the blessing is upon those that do read it and do hear it and do obey it. Amen. You cannot be blessed from this book unless you are saved. It is for the saved and God has given to us an understanding. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12 that the reason many do not understand because they have a natural mind. The word of God makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 12 we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Excuse me, but I want you to understand, the Bible was given of God, Amen. and God did not write something for you not to understand it. Amen. But in order for you to understand it, you must first have faith in God. You see, faith is what blinds the eyes of those that do not understand because they don't have the faith. They can say they have the faith, 
But if you put your faith in something other than the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have the faith because He is the faith. Amen. He is the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. And He is the one that will strengthen your faith. And that faith is based upon what He has done at the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ was put on that cross and taken down from that cross and raised up from the dead so that we could have faith. Amen. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the faith of the Son of God, that faith is so important. Galatians 2.20 makes it very clear that we must have our faith in a crucified Savior, and every day we must die to ourselves and live through that crucified Savior. So important that we recognize that our faith is to glory and nothing save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul has told us in Galatians 5. So we have a responsibility to put our faith in Christ if we are to grow in faith, if we're to have faith. And as we continue to draw closer to him, our faith grows. But the natural man understands not the things of God because he has not received those things freely given to him of God because he has rejected God's Son. You want your faith to grow, make sure you're trusting in Jesus. So in verse number 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Amen. You see, my spirit has the ability to help me to interpret the spiritual things written in the Word of God. But if I do not have the Spirit of God living in me, then I cannot understand the spiritual things of God's Word. Amen. They don't make sense to me I can't understand them because I have a natural mind. But once my spirit has been quickened through my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I have an unction from God. It's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I can understand the things of God. Before I was saved, I could not even understand anything about the Bible. It really didn't make no sense to me. It was boring to read. But once I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a hunger in my soul and God began to enlighten my heart and my mind so I was able to understand the Word of God and the Holy Spirit became my teacher. And as I began to read what other men had to say, there was a bell sometimes that would go off or a red light that would let me know, well, wait a minute, he's kind of getting off track. There's something wrong here. This doesn't sound right. It doesn't go along with, thus saith the Lord. There's not line upon line, precept upon precept. What's wrong with this? God gives us that unction, that, that anointing. So we read in verse number 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But you see, that's not true with us. 
we have an unction from the Holy One and we can know all things. And the Spirit of God will bear witness with our spirit and help us to understand that we are the children of God. And as Jesus Christ promised in John's Gospel, that the Spirit of God will guide us into all truth. And so therefore it's important that we know that we're saved and we have the Spirit of God bearing witness within our hearts. So the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us his promise. And we find along with that promise, he would have us to understand that we are to keep these things which are written therein. It's very important. I want you to go back and read it again. He said, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. The time is short. We have responsibility. If we can read it and we can understand it, then we are to obey it. If we do not obey it, we're going to stand before him and be accountable for our rebellion. So when he ends Revelation chapter 1, he moves into Revelation 2 and he speaks to the church. You see, this is written for us. It's not written for the world. It's written for us. It's all about the believer and what the believer can know what God has in mind for this world. And he is revealing to us that this church age that you and I are so privileged to be a part of will soon quickly come to an end. It is going to be raptured out. The church will not be left in this world to go through what God has in mind for this world. According to Revelation chapter 4, the church is caught up into heaven. The church is there with Jesus Christ now seated upon the throne of God. The church has received her rewards and her crowns. And according to Revelation chapter 5, the church is now asking, well, now when will Daniel's 70th week begin and your promise that you made to Israel in grafting them back into your program, when will all that begin? And the Lord reminds us it begins when the Lord Jesus Christ opens that first seal. And there are seven seals and there are seven judgments in reference reference to the seven years of tribulation that was spoken by Daniel the prophet. And so God reveals to the church what is going to unfold. How that Israel once again is going to have a part in God's program. And how Satan, according to Revelation chapter 12 will come after Israel and want to seek to destroy and totally annihilate Israel's restoration. And God will protect Israel. It reveals to us that the Antichrist throughout his reign will cause all people, all kindreds, all tongues to kneel down and worship him. It reveals that he will cause everyone to receive a mark in his hand or in his forehead and that person will not be able to buy or sell without that mark 
We are living in a day and time where the technology has proven that the Bible is true because the Bible says every man will not be able to buy or sell without a mark in their hand or in their forehead. We mean that it's something that's going to be under the skin, a microchip that is connected with satellites so that the whole world can be communicated with this one leader. He can see what the whole world is doing. When two witnesses are put to death in the streets of Jerusalem, the whole world watches. The whole world sends gifts overnight to one another. At one time, they would, the scoffers would scoff at that. How can the whole world watch and how can the whole world sue? see before satellite television? But yet somehow, God revealed these things to the Apostle John. Mark it down, these things are true and faithful. Amen. We're living in a day and time where technology and science is now catching up with the Word of God. And so we're told to keep those things. Through the church of Ephesus, he says, do not draw back. He says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. What was it that you were doing that you, when you were first saved that you're not doing now? Were you attending church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Were you excited about the things of God? Were you inviting your friends and your neighbors? Were you handing out gospel tracts? Why are you drawing back? The Lord makes it very clear as He writes to the church at Pergamos. He says, I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold to the doctrine of Balaam so that thou hast them that also that hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. He says, repent. You see, as the church began to progress along, it began to allow other doctrines to come into the church that watered down the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that watered down the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that gave liberty to the people of the church to live ungodly lives because they thought God no longer sees their sins. And as the church continues to move forward closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that these things begin to proliferate and progress in the church to where today we find the church is filled with all kinds of apostasy. We've gotten away from the Word of God. We've gotten away from the truth of God. We've allowed all kinds of indoctrination to come into our churches today because we no longer hold the Bible in our lives, but we hold a counterfeit Bible. I don't have time to get into all of this, but we go back to the history of the church and we find that 300 years after the church was well established, there were those that wanted to come up with another Bible and it was totally rejected because the Bible was translated from manuscripts that were not accepted by our church fathers. So they were discarded. They were Bibles that were ordered by Constantine that they would be translated and copied and given out to the churches. He wanted an imperial Bible for his imperial church, but the churches rejected it. So finally, Satan made it possible in the 1800s so that those church, those Bibles, those, those counterfeit books, they call them codexes, 
They were ancient books that were written in Greek. We have Koine Greek and Classical Greek, and they were written in Classical Greek. The average Greek-speaking people could not read or understand it because it was so above their literary understanding. And it was filled with all kinds of corruption and omission from the Word of God, omitting much of what the Bible taught about the deity of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so these were discovered in the late 1600s and they were translated from in the 1800s by a couple men by the name of Westcott and Hort that hated the Lord Jesus Christ. They hated the truth. They denied the resurrection. They denied the penitude. They even involved other people that were part of an occultic program that take part in the translation of the Word of God. And today just about every translation of the Bible comes from those corrupted manuscripts. But God saw fit that he would preserve his word. He said through the church of Philadelphia that through the church they would keep the word, and the church was faithful to keep the word. They took all the old manuscripts and they were careful to maintain them and keep them and preserve them down through the church age, more than 2,000 manuscripts of what is known as the received text, as called in the Greek the Tectus Receptus, for which your King James Bible is translated Amen. from. Amen. So that you have the truth. But yet people choose something that they believe is much easier to read that omits much of the deity of Christ and a big portion of the Word of God. Amen. And so we have apostasy in our church today. They have not kept the word. They have allowed the doctrines to come in. Malam has come in for profit, and he's put a copyright on these books, and Amen. there's great profit. But you notice that the King James Bible, if you get a King James Bible without all its notes and everything, there's no copyright on it. You can print it as much as you want to print it. They saw fit because it is the word of God not to put a copyright on it but you'll not see that on the ASV, the NIV, or any other Bible. Excuse me. Corrupted manuscripts and translations of the Word of God. Finally, we come to the church of the Laodiceans just before the Lord comes. The Lord says in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. You see, we were told according to what we read in verse number 3, that we are to keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. We need to guard our hearts and make sure that our hearts stay hot for the Lord. Amen. But because of the materialistic things that this world has offered to the church and things that we bring into our lives, we have less time for the Lord, we have less time for the Word of God because of the liberalism and the carnality that is in the world today, uh, we no longer have the moral modesty that we once had. 
we have girls coming to church showing their thighs, showing their bare legs, a big part of their breasts with their low-line blouses. Uh, we have people today dressing in such an immodest way and so many that have no regard for the house of God. We have all kinds of immorality and corruption to the point to where sex is free and sex is for everyone and better not say anything about any kind of condemnation on any sexual activity. And so we have allowed the agenda of the GLGBTQ movement to shame our churches and shame many before God. To where a gay lifestyle is okay, a lesbian lifestyle is okay, a transvestite life is okay, uh, uh, a sexual lifestyle where you're just out there with everybody is okay. I'm bisexual, I'm heterosexual, I'm all kinds of sexual, I'm transsexual. And we got all these crazy things going on to where now we brought it into our schools and now they're fighting to make sure that the children as, as low as kindergarten age can be taught about the sexual activity and about whatever gender they prefer to the point to where it's no longer male and female but we've got as many as 36 different genders. And the church is no longer hot God would have it to be cold if it's not going to be hot. Because you see, if you're just totally cold, maybe you might come to that place to where you think, well, wait a minute, something's wrong with my life. Maybe I need to listen, but you're lukewarm. You have need of nothing. I don't need to repent. I see nothing wrong with that lifestyle. I see nothing wrong with the way people dress today. I see nothing wrong with the music that people listen to. And by the way, it's not music. It's trash. There's no melody. There's no harmony. They didn't even have beat and rhythm. It's just simply noise today. It's a cacophony. Just a loud, annoying noise. And they call it music. It just goes to show how we have denigrated music, how we've denigrated morality, how we've denigrated righteousness and the church today is lukewarm what happened to God's people that hear the word of God why are we not obeying the word of God why are we not keeping the things that are written in the word of God why do women get upset when preachers preach about modesty why do men get upset when the preacher preaches about modesty it just says something about the mindset and the attitude you know, a hundred years ago, the church was right here and the world was over here. Well, today the world has moved farther to the left and here comes the church right along with it. And so, well, to stay over here, that's old-fashioned. To come to church dressed in a way to where you feel like, hey, God is worthy of the way I dress. I want to dress modestly. I want to dress in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. You know, when the priest went into the temple, he was changed his garments and he was put on his priestly robes. People go to funerals and they dress up, but they go to church and they dress casually. Does that make any sense? We give honor to the dead and we have no respect for the living. 
So this is the way the world has gone. And the Lord says, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm, and I will spew thee out of my mouth. God, help us to come to a place to where we are fully repentant. I don't know what it is that's in your life that is not pleasing. Whatever it is that you've fallen away from, whatever it is that you were doing that you're not doing when you were first saved, but the Lord makes it very clear that we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to look to the Word of God. We need to understand that it's important that we keep those things which are written therein. We have a responsibility to get into the Word of God and be students of the Word of God and be faithful to keep the Word of God. Have you studied the Word of God lately? Show yourself approved unto God. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Rightly dividing the Word of Truth on morality. Rightly dividing the truth on righteousness. Rightly dividing the truth on faithfulness. Rightly dividing the truth on on doctrine with every head bowed very serious charge to think that someone is sitting out there with no comprehension of God's word I didn't say it, the Lord said it. He makes it very clear that you do not have a mind that's able to understand the Word of God. The natural mind receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The Bible makes it very clear they are foolishness. They're not able to discern. Do you have an understanding of God? Do you have an understanding of His love? Have you been to the cross? Do you believe from your heart that only Jesus can save you? Have you had the Holy Spirit come into your heart and bear witness with your spirit that you are one of His children? Do you have the assurance that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Had the Holy Spirit of God somehow revealed to you that heaven is your home and you're no longer fearful of dying? As you open up the Bible and as you read it, do you find a greater understanding and discernment of what you read now than what you did before you received Christ as your Savior? All of these things need to be true in the life of a Christian. Do we have a hunger to know what God has in mind for us? Do we have a desire to read what he has commanded us to do? Are we willing to submit our lives fully over to him? I wonder with heads bowed, friend, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not sure where I'm going to be when God destroys this world, I would like to think that at that great white throne judgment that I'll be standing with the saints and I'll not be a part of that judgment. 
but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity, but I would like to get that settled. Friend, if that's you, would you let us help you with that? Is there someone here this morning that can honestly say, Preacher, I don't know. Please pray for me. Is there someone like that? Just lift up your hand. Anyone? How many of can just simply say without uh, any reservation of doubt, yes, preacher, I'm saved, no question about that, and here's my hand. And if you can do that, just lift it up before the Lord right now. Give him a high five. Thank him for saving you. If you're not sure, would you let us help you? The Bible is so so clear, so plain that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you need to know who He is. You need to know that He's King Jesus and He loves you and He died on the cross for your sins. Again, is there anyone here that would say, Preacher, if someone can show me from the Bible more about my need for salvation. I would like for them to do that. Anyone like that? Just lift up your hand. Then would you stand with me with heads bowed? If God's speaking to your heart this morning, something said in the message and God's moving in your heart, we know every one of us, there should not be one person here that's not a student of God's Word. Every one of us should be students of God's Word. Are you faithfully reading it? Do you hear what God is saying to you? And then are you doing what He tells you to do? With heads bowed as our pianist plays, if God's moving in your heart, we have an altar here at the front. If God's speaking to you, would you come and do business with God? As our pianist plays, we invite you to come.
All right, thank you. You may look this way. I want to say again, thank you for your faithfulness. I uh, just want you to know when I get uh, off from this platform and away from this desk here, I'm just, I'm not a police officer on duty. I'm just, uh, I'm just Brother Jim. So, <laughs> uh, but when I'm behind this pulpit, I'm going to speak the truth. But I want you to know I speak it in love. If you're offended at anything that I preach at any time, remember, you're not offended at me. You're offended at the Word of God. That's right. That's right. Because I want to be very clear on giving you the Word of God. Amen. If it's Jim Nolan, then, uh, then yeah, it needs to be apologized. But when it's of the Lord, there's, I, there's no need of poor apology. You must be faithful to obey God's word. We're living in a day and time where we're seeing fewer and fewer, and we see what's happening to our nation. It ought to concern us. It ought to concern us not only what is going on with our nation, but how it's affecting our children. It grieves my heart to see what is happening in so many places with people that I love and, and are concerned for. And uh, to be quite honest, I never thought it would be, it would be, it would move this quick, but things are moving very quickly, so that means the Lord is going to be coming very quickly. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you have not been baptized, uh, you need to get that done very soon because you may stand before the Lord and have to give an account for why you weren't baptized. And um, I hope it wasn't because you were ashamed to follow him. When Jesus was baptized, he was baptized as an example, he was doing the will of his heavenly father. John says, wait a minute, I have need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so now because it fulfills all righteousness. Because the heavenly father wanted his son to be baptized. And the heavenly father was pleased at what his son had done. So when we follow the Lord in believer's baptism, we're just simply following what Jesus has already done. Amen. If you say, well, I'm a little embarrassed to do something like that, then you're embarrassed of our Savior. Right. Right. He set the example. It's a picture of what he did for us. He went to a cross. He was telling the world at that time, I'm going to go to a cross, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise the third day. And now when we follow the Lord, we look back to the cross and we say, thank you, Jesus, because I believe you died for my sins and you were buried and you rose again. Baptism is a very important part of your faith. And it would be a fearful thing to stand before God when you had an opportunity to be baptized. You're not the thief on the cross, so you don't have an excuse. This morning we're going to be baptizing. And uh, if you haven't been baptized, we'll baptize you right along with uh, little Zaire. He's eight years old, and he came up to me last Sunday. He said, uh, Pastor Nolan, I want to be baptized. And I said, Zaire, we'll baptize you next Sunday. All right, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. And uh, Brother Rene, uh, would you close us in that prayer? Father, we thank you for another opportunity to allowing us to come to the house of God in your house, Father. It's uh, such a blessing to be here. And uh, Father, help us to not take that for granted. Dear Amen. Heavenly Father, your love and mercies to us. And dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those that are out and about, especially our missionaries that are struggling just to have services like this. 
and yet you give it to us so freely here. Dear Heavenly Father, we, so, we are so blessed. We are so thankful. And dear Heavenly Father, go before us as we go out. Father, help us to remember what we learn, what you teach us. And dear Heavenly Father, let us go out in your holy and precious name, proclaiming it, loving it, and praising it. Father, be with us as we go forth. Come back with us tonight. Father, we praise you and just can't wait to hear from the Word of God. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.